Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this gathering this morning. Thank you for your blessings on us. Thank you also for the, the love that you have given to us and that love we are to share with one another. And we pray that uh, this love would be perfected in us as you continue to work in us. Bless the Lord as he preaches your word. May you anoint him with your spirit. Give him strength from on high. In Jesus' name, amen. May we see you. each one in Christ's name this morning. Welcome you to our worship service here this morning. Um, I was blessed this morning as Dad shared his devotions, as that fit very well with um, the message I have prepared for this morning. It has some of the same same analogies and and things like that, and, and talking about our faith, Peter's faith, and we want to talk about our faith today. For a message this morning, I felt led to the book of James, and I will possibly be doing a book study on James, or, or you know, the next few messages will come from this book. This, is, this book is packed with many ways that um, our faith will impact our life. It shows the contrast of what our life as a believer in Christ will look like versus if we do not have faith in Jesus Christ. And it's a power te- powerful testimony of how God can change our lives from the broken humanity that we are into a child of His. And so for today's message, I will be focusing on chapter 1, where we will be talking about our faith being tested. Just a little background on the book of James. The author, the author is... Um, it seemed a little hard to confirm, but it is thought to be James, and it calls him the brother of the Lord, referring to Jesus. And that brother, some people think it's his actual half-brother, and then other people think it, it was a cousin of Jesus. But he was some relation to our Savior. And in Paul, sorry, Paul refers to James as a pillar in the church. He referred to, I think it was three men, in Galatians 2.9, and James was described as a pillar in the, the early church. And Peter, when he was released from prison, through his one day, angel came to prison and re- released him miraculously, it was James was one of the men that he wanted to go and tell about his deliverance. So it seems that James was a vital part of the early church. Paul also went to visit James the last time he was in Jerusalem, before he was taken prisoner, and then went on to Rome. According to Martyr's Mirror, he was the first appointed overseer of the church in Jerusalem. And it's said that he spent so much time on his knees in prayer that he had large calluses like uh, calluses a camel would have on his knees, and there was no sensation left in his knees anymore um, because of the time he spent in prayer. And so he's obviously a man of... of Extreme faith, um, dedication to serving his Lord, which ultimately cost him his life. And the account of his life, or sorry, of his death, um, is that during the Passover in, I think the year A.D. 63, the high priests, along with some of the other of the priests, placed him on one of the pinnacles of the temple. And they 
challenged him to denounce his Lord, but instead he preached of the greatness, proclaimed the goodness of Jesus as our Savior. This resulted in the priests then pushing him off of that pinnacle, and he fell off of the, the temple pinnacle onto to the ground below. This didn't kill him, um, so they began to stone him, which also didn't accomplish their goal. One of the priests that was in the crowd was so struck by this that he begged for mercy and begged that they would let him live. But one of the other priests standing close by had uh, what they called a fuller's rod, and he struck James over the head with this, and then he died. Many of the people in Jerusalem were appalled by the cruel treatment of James. James was known as a very just, um, very moral man, and they were um, severely disappointed, um, appalled by the treatment that he had received at the hands of the priests. And so some, some of the people of Jerusalem blamed the siege of Jerusalem, which would have been that, close to that time frame. It happened soon after that. They blamed it on the cruel treatment of the, of James, and they said it was a consequence of that. So that's a background on the author of James, and the uh, <clears throat> the audience in this appears to be the Jews that had been scattered um, because of the persecution that they had faced for their faith in Jesus Christ. These Jews had um, recognized Jesus for who he was. They had recognized him as their Messiah and accepted him as their Lord and Savior. And these people were then driven from their homes and scattered throughout um, a lot of the Mediterranean area. So let's read James chapter 1 for for our text this morning at this time. Sorry, I should have had this bookmark better here. Bear with me a minute. <clears throat> James chapter 1, starting in verse 1, and we'll read the whole chapter. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind, and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the, fl- as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen from with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grass, the grace of the fashion of it perishes. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to, him, to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust, and enticed. 
Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be hearers of the word, and not doers, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth that what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religious religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So this morning we want to focus on our faith and how that faith at times can be tried. And the first verse we want to look at for that is in verse 2. You know, as he was writing this to his fellow believers, he tells them, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptation. And this divers temptation means many and various tests and trials. And, you know, as he wrote this to a people that had faced severe trials and temptations, they knew they probably knew what he was talking about. But the part that's striking to us is that he says to count it all joy. And so I think as we look at that, we can, we ask we would like to ask James, how James, how are we supposed to find joy in this? How are we supposed to find joy in trials and temptations? And I think we can find joy in this when we have a pro- proper focus. And as we think about that, what my focus is will change how we view our trials. You know, as Dad shared this morning his devotion with Peter, when his focus was on Jesus Christ, he was by faith able to weather the storms that they faced on that lake in their little boat. But if our focus is on the trials, on the things that are going wrong, then we um, find it very difficult to find joy in our times of trial. If our purpose in life is to grow in our faith, to get to know our God in a more deeper, fuller way, if we want to see Him move and see the kingdom of God built up and glorified, then we can find joy in having trials in our life. And that's not to minimize the pain that we feel through those trials. The pain can be very real and very severe at times, but we need to draw near to God in those times. And a scripture that came to mind um, when I was thinking about that is Jesus, our example, as he faced the trials in his life. And I think it would, you know, we're not going to take the time to read this chapter this morning, but Hebrews 12 lays it out very beautifully for us. 
I encourage you to take the time to do that um, this week sometime. We see in this chapter of Hebrews how Jesus, who was a source of our faith, you know, as well as, you know, in the previous chapter it talked about other people who had lived out their faith and encountered difficult things of life. It lays it out beautifully for us how we are to face our trials and how these hard situations are to refine our character. I'll just read verse 2 for you. It says, Hebrews 12, verse 2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. So Jesus knows what it's like to walk through these hard times. He faced a very difficult time. He is the one who authored our faith. He is the one who created our faith. And as he saw the joy of that, as he saw the joy of us, his children, coming after him and being able to um, participate in that faith, that was the joy for him, that he could provide for that, us for, with that. It says he despised the shame, and now he is sitting at the right hand of God. But he had to, first of all, go through that very trying, difficult time. It was so trying that he cried out to God to allow that to pass from him if it was not against the will of God. In Christ, there is completeness and wholeness in a resting place. And as a believer in Christ, my life here is about Christ and his kingdom. Life here, with its discomfort and brokenness, pales in comparison to what we can experience in Jesus Christ. It brings joy to our hearts as we experience his care, even in the hardships. And I think, you know, listening to Jesse Peters last week, you know, as God orchestrated the things in their life, that is encouraging to our faith to know that God works in the lives of his children. 1 Peter 6 Sorry, 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7 is another scripture that speaks of our faith being tested. And there, in that reference, Peter uses the example of fire, extreme heat purifying us that's more precious than gold, it's more precious than wealth, is the testing of our faith. In that scripture, he promises us that there will be many trials to come in our lives to make us a better person. You know, God desires us to grow. He desires to see us become a better person. And one way that we can weather those difficult times is when look at verse 5. It says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. So God is there with us in our difficult times. He is there to give us wisdom to know how to face these times. This verse has become very near and dear to my heart to know that God is there for us. He is there to supply us with wisdom. He doesn't just let us go and face the hard times on our own. He's there to give it liberally. You know, sometimes we can be, um, maybe if we have a mentor or we have a teacher in school or, you know, a boss at work, we're scared to ask him a question because we're afraid he might think, um, you know, we're stupid for asking such a simple question. But God doesn't do that to us. It said he upbraideth not. He wants us to come ask of him. He wants to give it to us generally, generously. But we need to do it in faith, verse, verse 6. You know, it, as we go on the following verses, it shows us that if we don't do it in faith, 
we cannot expect to receive it from God. And he gives the example of being out on, on, a, on a sea with the waves moving about. And as we saw Peter this morning as he was on the sea, he faced that situation. And I don't know how many of you have had the experience of being out on one of our lakes around here in a very windy time. You don't feel safe. You don't feel um, secure. I had the, um, I don't know that I call it a privilege, but I had the one time I was on the lake when there was waves that were very vicious. I was on a 24-foot boat and the waves were hitting the front and I was getting soaked in the back. And that was a very scary experience. The water was shifting. Um, there was no, nothing secure to hang on to. And that's how it is when we go through life without faith. Verse 8 says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You know, it only takes a little breeze for the water to start shifting. Um, there's been times I've been at the lake in the early morning, and it's a, almost like a sheet of glass. It's so nice and still, but a small breeze comes up, and it starts to move the water. So our life will be if we don't secure our life in Christ. As the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 5, 15, 57, and 58, But thanks be to God who hath given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God has supplied the victory for us. He has supplied the way to be victorious over trials, and that's through our faith in Jesus Christ. And that will give us an anchor to hold on to, to keep us unmovable and abounding in the work of God. Next, I want to look at joyful and temptation. That's another test that comes our way, and that's found in verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Here we see James again using the word temptation, but I believe this has a little bit different meaning in this, in this context. In the first instance, in verse 2, he uses it, he says divers, various temptations, various trials. But if we look at the context of verse 12, he goes to look at the temptations that come from within our heart. The word here, blessed, means happy. So I think we can experience joy as we endure these temptations, even though they may not be a pleasant experience. In verse um, 14, he, he explains these temptations further. He says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. These tests, these trials, come with, from within our very own hearts and lives. You know, something is not a temptation if we don't have that desire in our heart, first of all. You know, there's certain foods that I definitely would not be tempted to steal. And then there's foods that I like that maybe you would be tempted to, to grab, you know, that I would never, that I would never be tempted to. So I think there's, you know, we need to realize that these temptations, they start with our, within our own heart. And they start with the lust that's in our heart. And we notice there's a progression here in verse 15. It says, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth, bringeth forth death. So we see there's a progression of that 
lust within our heart, leading us to death. Sin equals death, and living in sin will not bring us life, and it only results in separation from our God and Father. It brought death to Adam and Eve in the garden, and it continues to bring us death today. Ralph Waldo Emerson has a quote that I think we're probably all familiar with. It says, Sow a thought and reap an action, so an action and you reap a habit, so a habit and you reap a character, so a character and you reap a destiny. So it's imperative for us to be very aware of what we fill our mind with, the content that we allow into our minds. What we allow ourselves to think on has a large impact on who we are and our eternal destiny. You know, it's the person who allows the power of the Holy Spirit to work in their lives that can be victorious over these temptations that come our way. We can be a joyful person as we um, are victorious over these, these temptations. I think we can all relate to the, the feeling of not being victorious when we have been defeated, and that does not bring us joy and happiness. It only makes us feel defeated and depressed. So as we, as we think about this, um, how, do we into, how do we endure? How do we remain strong through temptation? And I have four points that are taken from verses 16 to 25 that I would like to share with you this morning. James lays out for us how we um, endure temptation. And the first one is in verse 17, is that, and that is that we do not blame God for our temptations. Verse 17 tells us that every good and every perfect gift is from the Father. You know, it comes from, from Jesus Christ. And if we, if we look back to verse 14, these temptations come from within us. And... You know, we're always, um, as long as we're on this earth, we always have our humanity. But we, well, the influences that we allow into our lives can impact the temptations that we will face. So we need to realize, first of all, that we cannot blame God for these temptations. He is the creator of good, and he brings good into our life. But that is a common objection that you face many times when you um, share Christ with people is that if there's so, if God is so good, why is there so much evil in the world? And I think that is a it's a hard question we have to wrestle with sometimes, and sometimes we probably won't completely ever understand that question. I've had someone ask me that in the past, and and it's definitely a hard question to, to grapple with. But here James reminds us that God is the giver of good things. And as we think about, you know, yielding to temptation Adam and Eve yielded to temptation in the garden. And not only did that temptation affect their life, it has affected you and I even to this day. And so as we consider that, you know, our temp- the temptations we yield to many times do not simply affect just your life. If you consider, you know, the, the current conflict in Europe, you know, the temptation for more power is not just affecting those who gave into that temptation. It's impacting millions of people. And that might be a large example, but in many ways, small examples are yielding to temptation brings evil and pain to the world. So let's guard our hearts against evil lusts in our heart. The next one is in verse 19, and that is to keep your emotions in check. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And oftentimes in our humanity, we flip those around. 
We don't want to sit, you know, sit and listen to someone else's um, thoughts and input. That takes humility, and our human hearts uh, doesn't like humility. Oftentimes, pride creeps in, and we want to share our thoughts and words first. And it's easily easy to become angry quickly at a situation. We feel that there's been an injustice committed, and we want to fix that injustice. But many times, if we would slow down and listen first, we would realize that we misread the situation. So as we are take time to listen, to slow down, to keep our emotions in line with the will of God, we can avoid falling to temptation. The next one is in verse 21. And that's keep your life pure. It says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. As I thought about that, I thought of the quote that says, Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. As we allow those sins in our lives, many times as we go down the road of life, we look back and say, How did I get here? And that is because we allowed this filth to get into our life. And as I thought about that, I, you know, I get to work with equipment, and an analogy came to my, to my mind. Many of the machines and equipment that we have today, they have moving objects and they have stationary objects. And usually we put a bearing between them. You know, there's friction between moving and stationary parts. So to reduce that, we, or to, to make those two work together, we put a bearing in there. And to reduce the friction and lengthen the life of that bearing, we put some kind of lubrication into that. Now suppose instead of putting lubrication in that, we would take um, a grease gun, which is the lubrication, and put dirt into that. How, what would be the outcome of that as we put dirt into that? The life of that bearing would be severely uh, reduced, and it quickly wears out as you put dirt into that. And that's how our lives are. As we put the Word of God into our hearts, we can be victorious, we can live for Christ, but as we allow the filth of the world into our hearts, we quickly um, are defeated and we, our, our life falls apart. If we contaminate our lives with the filth, dirt of life, eventually we will fail. So let's fill our hearts and minds with the Word of God, and it will give you life and it will help you to be victorious. And the last one is in verse 22. But be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. So we need to live out the Scriptures we need to live out what we already know that God asks of us. And we had a good example of that this morning in our Sunday school lesson, where we were given two commandments that are very vital to the life of the Christian. Jesus told us that the rest of the laws and commandments hang on those two. You know, it's easy to um, put in time with our devotions. It's to listen to good sermons, maybe to listen to good um, Podcast that teaches a lot of good biblical truth, but we need to put that into action. And you know, it's sometimes it's easy for myself to fall into this trap. As I look at my life, you know, I might have heard some teaching that was very good, and it's like, yes, amen to that. But do I look back, you know, a week, a month, a year later, did it actually change my life? And if it didn't actually change my life, James says that we are deceiving ourselves. We need to be hearers 
as well as doers. We need to live out the word. And John's message a couple weeks ago was a good reminder of that. We need to have more than good intentions. We need to follow through and live it out. So in closing, just a few closing thoughts I want to share with you. Find joy in being made complete. You know, as our physical body doesn't like the strain, the pain of physical exercise, so our spiritual life at times, you know, we, we, we want to give up because it's too painful. But our physical body doesn't get stronger by sitting on the couch. We have to get up. We have to go do something about it. So our faith needs to be strengthened through difficult times. You know, there... You know, I don't want to minimize the pain of those trials either. The pain is very real. And we as brothers and sisters in Christ need to be there to support each other through that painful time, those painful trials. God has given us a community, a brotherhood, to help each other in the trying times of life. You know, the joy is not in the pain of those experiences, but it's in those experiences shaping us into the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I just want to read verse 4 for you again. It says, But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That gives us a picture of being a complete person, and that comes as we allow God to work through these trying times. You know, we can all probably think about lives, areas in our life that we could be more balanced. At least I know I can. Let's allow those tests and trials to become, help us become that more complete person. I also want to leave the thought with you that God is a very generous God. He wants to pour out his wisdom into your life. He wants to help you be victorious. He's not there to defeat you. He has given us the victory in Jesus Christ. He has given us faith that we can hold on to. And he liberally gives us the wisdom if we ask for it. Let's ask God for wisdom. And as we think about temptations... You know, we are led away from Christ by our own lusts and excessive desires in our hearts. I will leave Philippians 4, 8 with you. It says, Finally, my brother, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. I think if we apply that to our lives, we will be well served and it will help us to be victorious over temptation. For a few closing scriptures, I want to read some verses from Revelations. It gives us the promise that these trials and temptations of life are not permanent. But there is something coming that will is much better and will be for eternity. The first one is Revelation seven, thirteen through seventeen. Revelations chapter 7, starting reading at verse 17. And one of the elders answered, saying to me, unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? <coughs> and I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which come out of the great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sat is on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, they shall thirst, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them. 
nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living, living fountain of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Here we see God has in store for us an eternal rest. He will take away all these pain and heartaches of these trials and give us eternal rest. Also, I want to read Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> Revelations chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with his, them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the th former things are passed away. And he sat, that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto, them, unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Just as the promise that God will supply us with abundant wisdom, so God has also promised us an eternal rest and an eternal home with him. And let's accept that gift of his grace, his mercy, his faith, so that we can all together one day join him in that glorious place. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. <clears throat> our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we bow before you this morning. Father, we know that there are times in our life that are very difficult, that are very trying. And Father, I thank you that you have given us the power of the Holy Spirit. You have promised us abundant wisdom as we ask for it. And Father, I thank you for that. I pray that you would help us to reach out to you in those times of troubles, trials. Also help us to reach out to our fellow brothers and sisters. And just help us all to work together as fellow believers to someday be together with you in glory. We just Thank you for all you do for us, and pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.